1: Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, the sun is shining. Everything is looking uh, peachy there right now. Awful cold, though. Did you find it cold last night, Dave? Ooh, I found it cold in the house last night. Had to throw a few extra blankets on while sitting down watching TV. Ooh, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, uh, I got my uh, slippers and uh, extra blankets on the ready for this evening. Health care is arguably the most important issue facing the province today. Efforts continue to recruit more health care professionals into the the system. In fact, the uh, provincial government right now has a junket to Ireland to do just that, try to lure some physicians over. While health authorities and others struggle to keep existing workers who are fed up and burned out on the job. And the situation here is not unique. It's being felt right across the country and around the world. Workers and recent graduates are being actively poached in what is arguably one of the most competitive landscapes we've ever seen. The province has introduced a health accord to address the social determinants of health and keep patients safe and well and out of the system, yet demand for things like family doctors remains high, forcing people to rely on overburdened ERs. That's where ERs happen to be open. The NLMA has released numbers showing that 26% of Newfoundlanders and Labradorians, or some 136,000 people, are without access to a family physician. That, coupled with nursing shortages and other shortages of health care professionals, leading to, long wait lists for services access to long-term care and acute care beds is having an impact on all of our lives well our guest today is someone who is watching the issues facing health care very closely it's opposition health critic paul din hello
0: hello linda how are you today good yeah, happy new year to you
1: same to you so i mean we're all well aware i mean we can't escape you know the very serious issues being faced here and it it, it all feels very overwhelming
0: uh, I mean, yes, overwhelming is probably an understatement. Um, you know, these are issues that, uh, that we're seeing, you know, coming years ago. Uh, you know, as you know, we spent uh, quite a bit of time trying to get uh, uh, government to acknowledge a crisis situation and, and put health care as a top priority. And uh, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing the results of it not being there and, and, and a lack of action. And of course when you see uh you see the latest news when, when the uh, the number of those without a family doctor has actually gone up as opposed to down, then we're we're still not government is still not dealing with the situation and coming up with the results that are needed to ensure that, you know, those out there who require health services uh, you know, they have to have a level of confidence that they can get the health care uh at the right time and, and in the right place and uh I think there's a lot of anxiety out there that uh that's not the case, right?
1: You mentioned a lack of action, yet uh, we've seen a a steady um, succession of uh, news releases and announcements uh, indicating that, you know, this uh, is being worked on, this is happening, these incentives are being introduced, uh, you know, a a variety of different announcements over the last year or so in particular. Um, Is enough action being taken? What would you like to see?
0: Well, you know, when you look at this, and, and, uh, you know, you mentioned the health accord in your preamble, and we asked many questions about, about uh, going forward. And that's a good, uh, fine piece of work done by some wonderful people, uh, no doubt about it. But we were told, you know, it's, it's going to be a list of recommendations and, and a blueprint. It doesn't lay out a plan. You know, it, it gives you options to to look at, uh, at uh, what components you will put into a plan. And, you know, uh, if you're going to address uh, such a critical issue as health care in this province, then you have to go at it with a plan, and you know to all and i i'm not saying that the announcements that have been put out there are good or bad in fact i, w- I would suspect any action is good. But what are the expectations in terms of what is the goal, what is the target, what research has been done to ensure that these activities are going to have the positive results uh, that we need? You know, to uh, you know, I listened to your show last week, and, uh, you know, the minister, and I don't envy his position, you know, but he is the minister of health. Uh, they took it on. Uh, when you look at talking about 19 uh, individuals uh, took advantage of the bursary and 23 took advantage of the uh, the family uh, joining or opening a family uh, practice i mean those are you know those are you know they're numbers they're only numbers until we know what's behind it because the bursary program has been utilized year over year over year so are these new or additional and then are, are is there is there a double counting when you talk about your family practitioners and uh, those 23 and those 20 and those 19? And that's only a small example. When you look at the data and see, okay, if we're the bursary program, if we're, I'm putting together a bursary program, I'm saying, okay, here's the plan, here's our goal. We hope to get this many. Are we there? What's the measure of success? And uh, well, we don't know, and we haven't been told. You know, when you look at the nurses. Okay, you mentioned those as well. The nurses are seeing, you know, up to 900. 900 nurses will retire in the next two years. They have upwards of 600 are in vacancies. That's 1500, 1,500 nurses, physicians that have to be addressed in the uh, coming years. And we just saw in, in the uh, paper today in the media, you know, Mon. faculty has set up satellite sites across the province uh, that will add 72 seats to the bachelor nursing program. And that's a good thing, no doubt about it. But, but how does that affect the 1,500 nurses that are going to be gone in a couple of years? And how does that factor into a strategic plan? and different many components of that. We don't know. We don't know what components are being added to that, what the expected uh, outcome is, and how that will affect the uh, ebb and flow of our health healthcare workers. Because if our retirement of doctors, and of course we're all baby boomers, doctors are, are hitting those retirement ages, if what we're bringing in is not meeting what's going out, you know, that's simple math.
1: Right, because we've got this uh, trip to Ireland right now, but I haven't heard what the goal is there, oh, hopefully to recruit physicians. We get that. But yeah. are they hoping to recruit five physicians, 50 physicians, 500 physicians? Uh, same with um, efforts to recruit nurses, particularly in India. Is there a goal set? Well, well this, and this is the missing piece. <clears throat> Excuse me.
0: You know, when the minister or the premier, you know, talk about, you know, we were, our recruitment efforts in India are, tr- are a tremendous success and we're having significant numbers. Again, that that means nothing until we know, well, what was the goal of going over there? You know, how many are going gonna to come back and stay? What was your target? How do you measure success there? And and this is the issue uh, that I have when we talk about health care. You need to... to you need to present to people a level of confidence that you have goals and targets and, and, and uh, timelines and benchmarks uh, all laid out and have a plan to, uh, to address this. That openness and accountability and transparency in relation to this healthcare care crisis we're in and how they're dealing with it is not apparent. You know, a the plan is not apparent there. And you can, you can throw whatever at the wall and hope that it sticks, and, and you get some success, that's fine. But you've still got to come up with a plan that, that helps stop the outflow of our uh, health uh, care professionals, increases those who are staying here, and you're able to bring others back into the province. I mean, you're not gonna do it by, uh, you know, a piece here and a piece there and a piece there. Uh, us as uh, residents and, and the voters and Newfoundlanders and Labradorians, we wanna see the whole puzzle, okay? What, here's the piece and here's the piece but how does it all fit together to address the issues we're dealing with
1: our guest today on on target is opposition health critic paul dinn we'll be back right after this
0: join us for on
1: target one hour in which linda swain examines topics that mean the most to you on target weekday afternoons at one on your vocm our guest today on on target is opposition health critic paul din and we're talking of course about health care in newfoundland and labrador and um, paula uh, we've been speaking a lot to a number of unions who are saying you know what you have to take care of retention first but with the stresses and strains already on the system how do you do that without addressing retention
0: i mean the uh, retention is is a big piece Uh, you know you're gone away uh, the government goes off to uh, to Ireland and they're trying to entice people to come back here to work and they're dealing with a similar circumstance over there uh, until you look after your own until you're able to look after and create a uh, uh, an environment work environment uh, in in the in, with our own people that are working here right now who are in the system and, uh, you know, feel valued and have a a good work-life balance, uh, then, you know, you're not going to get people to come to the province and you're not going to get them to stay. We have a a medical school here. We have nursing schools here. We have, you know, uh, people right on the ground here that we should be approaching and we should be enticing them to, to, uh, to stay in their home province and work and and of course you know they're not always they're not all from here but even those international students entice them to be here you know I, when when this started and when I was given this portfolio as a shadow critic uh, you know, I mean I I tried to simplify it by saying look do a spreadsheet of what every other province is doing pick out what's working and do better again you know and you know I, I noted at one point with uh, I think it was P- Prince Edward Island uh, on their website They spoke to creating relationships with the people at various stages within their educational program, building that rapport, building that relationship. This government hasn't done that. They went out and uh, met with the uh, uh, graduate doctors there a year or so ago, and and basically chastised them. Uh, The premier talked about going out and had met with the nurses and giving them an offer, and that's the last they heard of them. You know, this doesn't work. People have to be uh, valued and feel wanted the first to get them here and granted you're going to work it with other incentives but we're we're missing a boat there on how to keep those that are already here from leaving and if you can do that then you're going to ease the burden on those who are currently in the system and if you can do that then you're also going to make make our province more enticed uh, for those to come from away to come back to work but we're not doing it. We're, we're, we've lost focus. This government has not focused on, well, I don't know where they're focused because they're everywhere. They're everywhere on this issue and stating the obvious. Oh, this is a long-term issue that was long in the making and, and on and on and on. Stating the obvious to us. But I think people want want action here. You know, I think, and before I was involved in politics, I can tell you there was a a plan, a primary health care framework that the previous PC government put out in 2015. And that covers a lot of the stuff we're talking about today. You know, social determinants of health, collaborative health care, talking about the oldest population, talking about increasing seats in their in uh, medical fields, you know, and it goes on and on. Why a government comes in then in 2015 and and sits on their hands and they had got they got this right in front of them that they could have... And who cares who's, whose name is stamped on the cover why didn't they act we're in we're in year eight now year eight uh with this government right now and uh nothing's done and i listened to your show the other day uh last week when you're talking to uh to the minister and you you actually asked him something about uh well again our, have high school students been approached have other students been approached that was essentially the question you asked and, uh, you know, the minister responded to something that, well, was simply, we, we simply didn't have enough seats. Well, we knew that eight years ago. So, you know, there's there's a, a failure to launch or a failure to act. And now we're in this crisis, dire straits uh, situation where you're throwing everything and anything at the wall to see what works. And there's no no strategic plan. There's no plan laid out with a focused path forward. In terms of, okay, we're going to do this, and I I know it's going to be multifaceted, it has to be. We're going to do this, 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 and this, and here's what we're expecting from this, and here's what the ultimate outcome will be. I haven't seen or heard anything that would relate to anything close to that.
1: It's all very complicated because uh, the more people you talk to, uh, the more perspectives you get and and you see the enormity of the problem. Some people are saying, some uh, gr- representative groups are saying, you know, the biggest um, issue here is uh, workload and job satisfaction. It's not necessarily linked uh, to compensation, for instance. But then you get another situation where you have full-time nurses who are being compensated at one level and working alongside agency nurses who are getting compensated far more so you have to look at that and say okay (laughs) I see how this works and we have a large number of nurses who are working casual why is that the question should be asked are we addressing the reasons why nurses are choosing to go casual or work for private agencies rather than choosing a full-time position
0: well you know this goes back to uh, a point I raised uh, yesterday with Patty Daly on the uh, on exit surveys like we should we should know, as a government, as government should know, certainly, why people are leaving or why people are moving to casual positions and the like. They should know that. And I alluded uh, to, uh, again, a question you asked on that. And, you know, the the minister responded that he couldn't p- quite put his finger on, on one, any one item. And, you know, that's disheartening <laughs> when you hear that. Uh, but we can go back, and we can we can surmise, and we can look at uh, uh, you know uh, surveys that were done, very, you know, similar to one that was done a couple of months back, like from the Blue Ivy Group, Ivy Group, and I mean they talked to uh, you know what nurses and doctors were expecting. And uh, you know, some of the issues were around compensation. Some were uh, around you know uh, not being valued. Some was around work-life balance. And the go, you know, those are those are some of the uh, I guess the more prominent ones. But until you actually ask the individuals uh, as they exit, what what made you leave, then you don't you can't deal with the problem because you don't know what the problem is. And and we've the uh, government has dropped the ball there. And uh, you know, how do you address a problem if you don't know the problem? And so here we are, uh, again, throwing everything and anything at the wall. And it might be it might be as simple as compensation, but it depends on the different groups you talk to, as you said. You know, our paramedics is a good example that, uh, you know, what they go through on a daily basis and the, the physical and mental strain that they go through and and the sights and sounds that they see on a daily basis. There's, there's so much there uh, that should be dealt with. And, you know, again, we deal with a private and a public system. So, I mean, there's, there's issues there. And, you know, again, I go back on that issue. You know, there's been reports done. Grant Thornton did one back in 2018 speaking to paramedics and that. And, you know, there's been issues identified. And yet there's been it's like another, another report sitting on a shelf. in such an important issue.
1: And I want to ask you a little bit more about that uh, a little later on in the show. But, um, and I put this question to the minister as well. Will the, yep. will the merger of the province's health authorities make recruitment and retention and addressing some of these needs uh, easier? Because it seems to me we've got a bunch of different systems trying to do the same things in different ways.
0: You know, I would suspect there's a bit of a duplication. Of effort. I would suspect that uh, so and you know I I listened to the Minister's uh, response last week to you on this and you know again sort of stating the obvious and in terms that he was amazed that uh, you know some uh, one health authority if someone moves from one to the other they'd have to be trained on this equipment and so on which I find you know amazing in this day and age right that uh, that's not done. So yes and no I I guess uh, the intent is that uh, it would be a full, wholesome approach to recruitment for within the province. I mean, as we know, uh, when you have the different regional th- uh, health authorities, they're, they're recruiting within their own realm. There is there is a bit of uh, an issue when you talk about recruiting within the, the health authorities because they're recruiting, okay, they're recruiting for the public system, so to speak. You know, how does that also address... How will that address uh, doctors in private practice and uh, family uh, family uh, operations? I'm not quite sure how the uh, region, you know, amalgamating the regional health authorities uh, and recruitment would affect that piece of it as well. You know, because we're also encouraging uh, private practice as well as the collaborative healthcare clinics. So, so that's a big question to be answered as well. You know, will this recruitment be focused on? The whole province in terms of medical care, you know, assisting in other areas, or will it be just focused on the public? I, I, I suspect it's the latter.
1: Our guest today on On Target is the opposition health critic, Paul Dinn. We'll be back right after this. Got plans for midnight? Bring your VOCM along with the best soundtrack for every night, anywhere. The VOCM All Night Show, midnight on your VOCM. Our guest today on on target is opposition health critic Paul Dinn, and um, uh, Paul, the the province is taking a number of measures to yep. address backlogs and demand, and in the midst of juggling the stresses and strains on the existing system, we have things like hip and knee replacements being carried out on an outpatient basis for certain candidates, uh, cardiac care, uh, some cancer patients now being sent out of province. Are those appropriate solutions? How long should they last, and is there a fear it will become the the new norm?
0: I, I think, uh, you know, from, you know, taking it from the patient's point of view, uh, you know, they would like to have, have their health looked after sooner rather than later. Uh, but most would probably want to stay within their their hometown or within their province because they would have their family and friends support you know which is a big thing especially if you're dealing with you know a cancer treatment or, or heart you know something very serious so uh, I'm hoping it will not become the norm I'm hoping there will be opportunity here uh, for uh, some of those uh, knee replacements or heart, heart uh, treatments and, and the like to happen here uh, I suspect as well with some of that, you know, you're probably going to have to go where the specialization is, and those, those uh, experts are. But at the end of the day, some of these specialists, we should be able to get into the province that will help, uh, you know, help get this done and get people off wait lists. Uh, because I'm telling you, just waiting and waiting is uh, is not a healthy thing for some of these people. And I hear it on a daily basis, uh, but the biggest piece about it is, okay, is the, the stress and anxiety of traveling away, you know, worried about the costs or away from your job or away from your family. Those issues will not go away you know if you're traveling but i mean i i guess the key to it would be that they're getting the treatment they want but i'm hopeful that uh, you know in a, in a province like ours there's there's no reason why we can't offer uh you know a good portion of the healthcare requirements for our citizens and you know taking that into account that we you know there's going to be times where you have to travel
1: you touched on ambulance services earlier, and of course, we're in a situation now where job action has been taken by uh, some ambulance operators and paramedics, represented by the Teamsters. I- is the model being used by government for the operation of private ambulance services working?
0: You know that's, that's a good question, and uh, when I look at the ambulances, you know, in in the province, there's. Uh, you know, there's there's about 61 uh, or 60, give or take, hospital, private, and community-based uh, services. And, uh, you know, they operate probably 170, 75 ambulances. So, so it's not a small operation. Uh, the majority of those tend to be uh, the private opera- operators. And at the end of the day, I think you know any system can work, and I know the Health Accord is probably looking to uh, to amalgamate this whole process. Uh, but I think it goes it goes to your point on nurses and, and travel nurses. You know, for people doing the same work, you know, there should be equal compensation. Uh, they should be treated with the same respect as, uh, regardless of whether they're private or public. And uh, you know, I, I can see some changes possibly improving here. Uh, it's a real piece to sit down and have a chat and involve the uh, the frontline workers on this to come up with a solution. I mean, there have been reports done uh, in the past on, on how to improve services here. The health accord has alluded to it. So, uh, you know, uh, most people say if, it, if it's not broke, uh, don't fix it. But I think in this particular case, there may, may be some tweaking that's necessary. And uh, one of them would be uh, uh, around the compensation piece. Uh, one would be about the... Uh, the uh, extra, I'll say, administrative work that some of them uh, have to do. So there's, there are, there is room for improvement.
1: And it's a complicated system. We have a variety of models, as you just indicated, community-based, private and hospital-based ambulance services. And, of course, we had that comprehensive review that was carried out a number of years ago. Where is that? What happened with that? What what action has been taken? Well, see,
0: you know, that's another good question, which I alluded to earlier about reports being end up on shelves, you know, and... uh and, and, you know, not being acted upon and, you know, really um, if there's a piece of work that's worth being do- done, you know, having a consultant put together in that, then really, uh, and it's with public funds, then really the public need to know, okay, what happened with that report? Because, you know, what did you implement and what didn't you? and why? And uh, But we don't hear that, right? We, we normally hear comments like, you know, 30% of the recommendations were were acted or 20% are in the works or whatever. And those are very, uh, you know, they're, they're ambiguous figures to toss out there, which give us no detail. Okay, well, what was worked on and what is working and what's still on the books or what won't be worked upon. And, and you know, that's, this report that was done a number of years ago was no different to the others. They really need to start looking at it and picking on it and seeing what, what's good and then report on it. You know, report on it. You know, we know in the House Assembly we've had some reports this year that uh, were done the past year that uh, done with public funds that, okay, we, can't, we don't have access to, you know. So if it's, something's done with public funds to improve uh, uh, public services and programs in this province, then I would hope that the government of the day, in this case the liberal government, would, would give updates, detailed updates on what's being done, what hasn't been done and why and we're not seeing that. And that's very similar to how they're treating healthcare right now. There's a bunch of uh, pieces being done, and we don't know how they're all gonna fit together, and we don't know what the benchmarks, the targets, or timelines are, you know, and how do you define success? You know, here we are. Here we are, the big number that I see today is that we now have 136,000 people without a family doctor in Newfoundland and Labrador. That's gone up. So if you're based on that alone, something's not working.
1: We have another very troubling situation uh, that's, um, you know, slowly evolving, I suppose, where we, we had this situation involving a, a, a person who was passing themselves off as a registered LPN or RN, uh, not registered at all, uh, yet ended up working at a number of long-term care facilities. And uh, I can't second guess or understand why someone would try to do that kind of thing. But uh, do you see that perhaps Perhaps as a assist, and I'm not saying that you know the due diligence wasn't done and all of that sort of thing, especially if somebody is fraudulently passing themselves off in a certain way. But uh, is it perhaps a symptom of the the situation that healthcare finds itself in, and trying to address the very serious needs out there?
0: Yeah, uh, you know that's 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 a very serious situation, no doubt about it. And uh, you do you are left wondering, okay, how did this happen? Where are the checks and balances, and how did this happen? And, you know, there's been many comments out in the press from the different people, uh, authorities involved, and uh, they've explained uh, fairly clearly how 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 it happened in terms of the common names and and taking a taking a, a license number from someone else and so on. Uh, but to your question on whether I see it as a, a sign of uh, where we are in healthcare. Uh, I could say yes to that because uh, as you proceed if you 're in a dire situation and you 're you 're constantly on go and you're and you 're trying to address situations it does create a uh a greater possibility for for some oversight or some you know missing some points in that in terms of your job and uh, in assessing cr- credentials coming in uh... so it could could very much be that but i you know i'm making no no assumption here on that it, it's, it was a it was a very uh, difficult situation and how it was explained i mean i can very clearly see how it could happen but it's a uh, it's the key here is that it happened within a very critical uh, uh, sector like healthcare. And, you know, we really got to make sure we have our checks and balances in order there. And at the end of the day, you know, uh, the responsibility for healthcare in this province falls on government and the minister to look at that. And to be honest with you, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, happy with the process he took, pl- took here. But more importantly, what's the process going forward to ensure? this doesn't happen again
1: well is there a fear that you know this kind of thing could happen again i know everybody is uh hyper vigilant now uh you know given that this has happened but um uh you know if the needs are still there and and you're that little boy with all your fingers in yeah. the holes in the dike um and another one pops up uh, you know the stresses and strains are being felt
0: Oh, oh, there's no doubt, and you know, it goes back to well there's a caveat emptor, you know, buyer beware, when uh, when you're looking at a service net, and 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 uh, you know, you want to be aware of where you're taking your your child, or where you're going yourself for help, uh, you know, checking references and seeing if uh, if this long-term care facility is is uh, is uh, well well recommended or not. You know, there's all those steps you can take as an individual, but I would hope that as uh, government, as and as agencies, and as these these uh, facilities do that they uh, they have an increased awareness now and due diligence in terms of uh making sure this doesn't happen again and you know i you know you can put the measures in place as much as you want and i guess there's always going to be that opportunity for someone to uh to uh you know fool the system and get through but uh you know in general i would think you know, we're pretty pretty well off in terms of uh of qualified staff being in the positions they're qualified for.
1: And of course it, it was revealed at, at some point it was revealed, mm-hmm. so uh, uh, obviously there are some checks and balances within the system to pick up on these things even when yeah. someone is able to circumvent for their own nefarious reasons I would imagine
0: oh for sure I mean you have to have that there and and uh, you know what, what's what's a little troubling with this is that it wasn't uh, something that uh, just happened because this individual was was known a known entity before so so that's probably the most troubling part about this
1: um i want to ask you because i know that you've uh, you've spoken passionately about this in the past and that is uh, with mental health supports in newfoundland and labrador i want to t- touch on that when we come back after the break yep, our guest no today on on target is the opposition health critic paul dinn we'll be back right after this
0: nutrition, exercise, keeping the cold at bay. Whatever keeps you feeling great, the Wellness and Healthy Lifestyle Show on your VOCM.
1: And we're back. Our guest today on On Target is the opposition health critic, Paul Din. And Paul, I know this is uh, uh, one that you have raised numerous times in the uh, House of Assembly, and that's about mental health supports. And of course, we've seen uh, a number of situations play out, especially over the last year um, where um, quite Questions have been raised about the level of uh, mental health supports available in the community for people who are living in the community we have a new mental health and addictions facility being built but unless we have those supports in the community it's uh, I guess just another building with walls Um, tell us a little bit about um, you know what are your some of your concerns there
0: well you know um, I can tell I I relate to a story now that I uh, came across i 'm talking to an individual during the last uh, election going around a uh, single mother with a child who was uh, who was having uh, you know mental health issues and couldn 't get the supports in in the school nor from uh, from you know going to the health science uh, she She used the analogy of you know if someone goes in there. With a, uh, a broken leg, they're taken in. They're x-rayed. They're they're put a cast on. Uh, they're given a wheelchair, and they're gone out the door. And and he said, you know, with a list of what to do and when to come back to get the cast off. But she said, when it comes to mental health, when she brings her child, brings her child in there, uh, you know, they're they're basically given a. You know, if she said an app or a sheets and go call these numbers and sent on their way with no follow up. Now that's her story, and and incidentally, she's left the province. She she called me there shortly after a couple of, a year ago, and left with her child to uh, to Nova Scotia where she was gonna getting a, a better treatment. But the point is, and there's always been a stigmatism attached to mental illness, so it's been something you never got out and talked about. And of course, here we are coming up on uh, on Let's Talk Day uh, uh, later this month, and it's something we have to. do. Too. But, I mean, when you look at the numbers, like there's over 100,000 people in uh, Newfoundland and Labrador live with a mental illness. You know, those, those are huge numbers. And, you know, further uh, reports will tell you that 70% of mental illnesses develop during childhood. And most go undiagnosed. Right? So the, these are, are huge issues. And when I hear people calling me and I get an email from an individual who, uh, who's waiting 18 months to 24 months to see a psychiatrist, you know, that's not the way to deal with these issues. These, these are critical, crucial issues to deal with. And uh, you know, yes, they uh, they developed the 811 line, and I uh, had people call me and said we called in. They said we called in, and they timed it, and they said, well, I was put on hold for four minutes and something seconds. I, I think was what they said, which, which to someone who's in a mental health crisis, that's an eternity and waiting for someone to come on, and, and they basically were given another number to call. So we have to be doing much, much more when it comes to addressing mental health in our province. And, you know, that all falls back. Yes, you, you talked about the mental health facility, the new mental health facility, and that's that's wonderful. That's well needed. But, again, it comes down to will we have the uh, health care professionals that are able to ensure that all the services are provided in that new facility and I'm, I'm not I'm not getting any indication or any short shortness that that's going to happen and uh, you know you you uh, people well well be familiar with Christy Allen Uh, the young woman who's been out in front of the Confederation Building every Monday. And of course, she's been there, (laughs) uh, I think it was 100 100 weeks or something there recently. I joined her out there. And these are people frontline and center with lived experiences who are continuing to advocate for those in need. And, you know, government really needs to uh, to start addressing this. I mean, mental health is something that we all well we all <laughs> we all have mental health we all have levels of mental health similar to like we have levels of physical health so why is one more important than the other and i think we really need to start addressing uh, mental health to a fuller degree, and making sure all the checks and balances are there, and in particular, long-term mental health treatment. You know, uh, it's not something you can put a cast on and send away and it'll be healed. It's something that needs uh, c- a continuity of care, and uh, we're not seeing it here.
1: How about those um, all-important wraparound supports? You can just imagine now the in- impact of your mental health when you, you don't know where your next meal is coming from, when you don't have a, uh, a warm bed to sleep in tonight, where you're not sure if you're going to have uh, uh, adequate uh, housing for the long term, um, all of that will have an impact on you, let alone if you are already struggling
0: yeah i mean those those just just think about the stresses that that puts on somebody, and you know I go back to to the report that the the previous p c party talked about and of course right within that document spoke to to uh, mental health and it also spoke to uh, you know the social determinants of health and that and 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 many will recall you know the poverty reduction plan that was put in place by the previous p c government that was applauded across the country. For the successes it was having, and you know that was caboshed basically when when uh, the, uh, the liberal government came in. And this goes back to my point about why, who cares what stamp is on on a document? Let's if it's working for the people of this province, then let's keep doing it. So now you've got people out there, and when we got to snowfall the other day, all I could think to myself I said, those poor people out there who don't have don't have a, a roof over their head or don't have don't know where their next meal is coming from and uh, you know you can send out the cost of living checks to them but but you know most of them probably never file a tax return they don't have a fixed address they're just forgotten people there i mean how are they being helped you know they will not get that check and those are the people who need that $500 check more than anybody you know, and, uh, you know it's, uh, we bring in uh, our refugees, and I think we have to. We have to, to help out there, and we have to bring in and try and get our Ukrainians and, and, and so on settled here. I welcome them with open arms, and they're given, you know, they're put up in a hotel room until they get settled away. And that's great. That's what we should be doing. But why are we not doing something more for the individual that's living on the street here? What are we really doing to address that, and that can 't be political you know that can't be about a program so such and such came in with that has to be what it, how do we get the outcomes that we need to help these people and if it's working, who cares who came up with it let 's do it let's build on it let 's improve on it. you know why throw out the poverty reduction plan and come with, oh, say we're going to create something more. And that's, now we're into eight years waiting for something more. And, you know, for these people living on the streets, these people who are dealing with mental health issues, time don't stop for them, right? Time don't stop for them. And, uh, you know, we really have to show government, has to show some compassion and empathy for them and start looking at some real solutions. And the sooner the better, actually.
1: And um, we've seen growing demand at the gathering place, for instance. Would that demand be there if the, if the appropriate um, um, supports were in the community?
0: I would hope that if you were able to uh, live and stay within your community with the appropriate supports that would be the ideal model to follow because those individuals will be in, in a familiar environment they would have uh, access to some of their family and friends support uh, It's probably the ideal model to do I think that would you know take some, some work uh, some load off the gathering place but as we know <laughs> you know the gathering place is being hit by people who are dealing with costly living as well you know, there's people out there who can no longer afford groceries, or and some have have cancelled mortgages and sold their houses. You know, this uh, so so it's a, it's affecting more there, and I'm sure the gathering place would tell you that they're getting more people on at their door. So so it's uh, again, this all goes back to to having a good poverty reduction strategy that addresses all those elements uh, for people. You know, housing and food and and uh, medical treatment and and like. I mean, this this is some that is a fulsome approach. There was one done, but it's been, you know, kiboshed since. So uh, hopefully, hopefully uh, you know, uh, this government will act sooner and start bringing back some of those uh, uh, components that were working and try and, and get this under, uh, under wraps and, and ensure that uh, people out there have a place, have a shelter, have food, have, you know, uh, supports that they can go to and hopefully st- within their own community.
1: You mentioned immigration and uh, in particular the uh, Ukrainians and that, and yeah. we're always looking at ways to try and help build up our population here. Yeah. Um, but now we we also are in a situation where we have young couples uh, eager to start a family for yeah. one reason or another or having some difficulties or facing some difficulties with that, and you've been a very loud proponent for improved IVF uh, treatments here in Newfoundland and Labrador instead of having to send people out of province. Where are we with all of that?
0: Uh, yeah. Yes, that's an issue, and there. there's, of course, there's a, a group, an advocate out there, a group uh, faces of fertility, and uh, you know, uh, we, there's no province in this country that's going to say that they don't need uh, immigration to to keep their population up. That's that's a given, but that's part of a, of a larger um, equation, and when you look at our death rate, and of course, <laughs> our province is one of the is the oldest in in the country. We have so many seniors in that. Uh, so we've got a huge aging population and you want to bring in young families but we also have young families here or, or young uh, partners who want to start a family and they don't have the options nor can they afford it. For those who are lucky enough they can afford to go away and pay for the treatments and pay to uh, for the airfare and take time away from their job, they can do that. Cost them thirty grand, and this is unfair
1: of me, but we've got less than a minute left yeah
0: so no, but my, my point here is there's groups out there uh, partners that can't uh, uh, can't avail of this. there are doctors within uh, the province who have put proposals into to create an IVF clinic here in the province uh, it would help address our uh, our population, it would help ensure a made-at-home, literally, uh, population program. And uh, right now, I don't think governments, uh, government hasn't really uh, moved on it. You know, and it, it's 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 terrible. And I'll continue to advocate for it because it's uh, something that will help us. It's part of part of a plan that should be in place.
1: <laughs> Paul Dinn, I really appreciate your time. The time has gone awful fast, I know. Uh, uh, thank you so much.
0: Yeah, I t- just one last thing. Look, I'm, I shout out to all those uh, health care workers, frontline health care workers. I know they're working beyond uh, their means and that. And just keep doing it, and uh, I'll keep advocating to try and make it better.
1: And we'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great day.